the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you now gives you your purpose. What is that? As God is good and that God who is good now lives in your heart, go do good. He gave his life something he didn't deserve to give us life something we didn't deserve. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. What do both Thanksgiving and Christmas have in common? Both are expressions of gratitude. At Thanksgiving, we express gratitude to God for all His provisions. And at Christmas, we express our gratitude to God for the birth of our Savior. Here's David with part two of his message, Thanksgiving for a Good God. So Adam and Eve were tempted by a malevolent personal force called the evil one, and he caused them to fall. The evil one's the author of all evil, not God. And because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, disorder and disharmony came into the world. Now within people, there is fear instead of faith. Now there's relational ruptures everywhere throughout the world, wars and rumors of wars. Now there is created disorder, not natural disasters, unnatural disasters that cause the the loss of lives of people and property. And, and of course, everything is not working as God created it to be. Now, interestingly, that sin problem, that rebellion problem, that treachery problem has been passed on from generation through generation, all of Adam and Eve's progeny, including you and me. Now, some of you go, oh, my sweet little baby girl, my sweet little baby boy, he can't possibly be a bundle of original sin. Let me ask you a question. Did you have to teach your children to rebel? Did you have to teach your children to be disobedient? Did you have to teach your children to say no? Of course not. It's natural within their nature. It's natural within yours and my nature. And we continue to shake our puny fists at Almighty God and say, I want it my way. And we continue to have this evil in our world today. Now what the Christian Bible teaches is that God created this world good, perfect. And then when the fall occurred, He's in a dilemma. On the one hand, he's holy and good. This created order is not. And he can't have a relationship personally because our God's a personal God. With Adam and Eve, they walked in the garden daily with him. He wants to be in personal relationship with us. And here's his dilemma. Do you know why you were created? Christians believe in one God and three persons. Our Muslim friends accuse us of believing in three gods. Nothing could be further from the truth. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God in three persons. How do we explain that? We don't try. Any more than with my kids when they were three years old and they would object to something and they would always say that famous word kids love to speak, which is, why? And then it's usually accompanied with, that's not fair. Anyway, let me ask you, when your children do that, as an adult, do you get down to their level to try to explain all the complexities of why? Do you? Of course not. You can't. There's no way a three-year-old could possibly understand the depths of what you know as an adult. Well, that's an example of what it's like for the infinite God of the universe to explain to us his nature. One God in three persons. All we know biblically, that's what's clearly taught. And in that relationship among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there was perfect love. There was perfect love. Love can only exist if there's a direct object of the love, right? Love can only exist if there's someone to love. And and that's the problem, of course, with the Islamic God. 
is he's a God of justice, but love is far from their understanding of God because he doesn't have anyone he can initially love. Well, initially, in the Christian God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all loved one another perfectly. The Father loved the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loved the Son. The Son loved the Father. It's a perfect triangle of love. And so here's why you and I were created. When God created Adam and Eve and all of us, he wanted us to enter into a personal love relationship with him because he's a personal God. He wants intimacy. Some of you come from Catholic backgrounds or rigid denominational backgrounds where you were taught if you just did A, B, and C, then God would love you. Nothing could be further from the truth from the Christian gospel. God doesn't love you for what you do. He just loves you because he created you to be a love machine. And he wanted to pour his love into you so you could love him in return and love your neighbor. That's it. Jesus said the entire Bible, the entire law can be encapsulated in one sentence, love God and love your neighbor. That's, that's what he intended to happen. And so he created you and me to love and, and we've rebelled against that love. So on the one hand, he's holy and good and can't have a relationship with us because of our depravity. But on the other hand, he still loves us dearly and deeply. So what does he do? How does God overcome that dilemma? And the answer is this biblical doctrine called the incarnation. God becomes one of us. The father said to the son at some point in human history, knowing our decadence, depravity, and ultimate death, because he couldn't have a relationship with us. And if we died, we're separated from him forever in our sin. So because of his love, he says to his son, at some point in the expanses of eternity, would you go? Would you go? And the son, although equal with the father in deity and power, purposefully chose to submit himself to the Father, take on human flesh, and be birthed in a stable in Bethlehem. He could have been birthed in a palace in Jerusalem or Rome, but he chose to be birthed among the poorest of the poor in humility. God in human flesh, the incarnation. I love Mexican food. Anybody love Mexican food? Man, I like Mexican food. Ever had chili con carne? You know what that is? Chili with flesh. Carne. Chili con carne. Do you know what the incarnation is? This great biblical doctrine we're celebrating here on Christmas Eve? God con carne. Really? God con carne. God with flesh. The incarnation. God so loves the world that he becomes one of us. To communicate in ways and styles and forms and words that we can understand. It's just amazing when you think about it. Now, you need to know three great truths of the incarnation. The three great truths of Christmas Eve. Here's the first one, pursuit. Pursuit. Most people know that true love demands pursuit. I've told my sons that whenever they meet that right person, they need to pursue her. Because every woman, I believe, call me an indefatigable romantic. But I believe every woman wants to be pursued by a godly man. And the message of the gospel is God pursued us. He took the initiative. He put on human flesh long before we ever cried out to him. Pursuit proves love. Walt Disney knows it. 
You don't believe that? Think of the blockbuster movies through the years. Sleeping Beauty is put under a curse by an evil witch. The prince, in his great love, does what? He pursues her against all obstacles in order to plant his lips upon hers, break the curse, and give her life so that they live happily ever after. That's the story. But it begins with the prince pursuing his beloved. Think about Rapunzel. Poor gal, caught under the curse in a tower, can't get out. She grows her hair really long. And she drops it out of the window. And what happens? The one who loves her is willing to climb and climb and climb on her hair. I've always wondered what that did do to her scalp. Have you ever thought about that? Anyway, he keeps climbing and climbing and climbing until he finally gets to the top and hugs his beloved. The idea is pursuit. And the two then live happily ever after. Hmm. Think about the prince and Cinderella. I mean, he pursued her amidst the most dysfunctional cartoon family ever probably made. Isn't it interesting how during Christmas time, every dysfunctionality in our families exposes itself? Anyway, let's not go there today, okay? So he pursues her even amidst the most wicked dysfunctional family possible in order to do one thing, and that's put a glass slipper on her bare foot. Because he loved her and then pursued her. And just to show you that I'm cool and hip and up to date, and I have four grandchildren too. Would you like to see their pictures? Anyway, the movie Frozen. Anybody seen it? How many of you parents have seen it just once? Just once? That's amazing. How many of you parents have seen it dozens of times? Okay, got it. Grandparents as well. It's one of the most popular Disney movies today. Think about the story. There are two characters. One's named Anna. The other's named Elsa. You have seen the movie. Good for you. Elsa's under a curse. And she is potentially frozen under that curse. Anna wants her free from the curse, so she pursues her in love and she comes to her and is even willing to die for the curse to be broken and if you have seen the movie you remember this line repeated over and over again only an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart only an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart. It's pursuit. And the power of love and pursuit breaks down the frozen heart. And then there's not only pursuit in the cradle, there's also presence that's promised us. For you see, the baby grows up. We love to coo and woo and goo over babies and mangers. We hate it when they grow up and then they're responsible, right? But the truth is, Jesus grows up. He lives the perfect life none of us can live because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin. The whole process of original sin was not continued to him because power, the power of God conceived him. And because he did not have that sin condition, he lived the life none of us can live. 
He met the righteous requirements of the law God demands for all human beings, and therefore he could take our place on the cross. The penalty of God's judgment of death came upon him instead of you and me. You talk about love. He gave his life something he didn't deserve to give us life something we didn't deserve. And we received the gift, the Christmas gift of eternal life by grace through faith. Praise God. Praise God. And then for those of us who believe in him, our hearts are born again. They're cleansed of all of our unholiness. And that then welcomes the residing presence of God through the Holy Spirit. When you invite Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And isn't that amazing how the gospel of Jesus fits together? One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Son who dies for us so the Holy Spirit can indwell our hearts forever. And that means no matter what you face, folks, as a believer in Jesus, no matter what trial it may be, no matter what difficulty may be facing, Jesus will be there with you. His very power and presence will be there with you. And there's nothing in life you'll ever face that you won't face unless he's there present with you. Isn't that good news? Would you give God the glory for that? It's just a marvelous presence of the promised Holy Spirit. And it means that when we face our last enemy, death itself, we'll do so with Jesus. And I can't speak for you, but I can't wait for that day when I take off this old, wrinkly, tired, Joint hurts, earth suit. Take it off at the moment of death and because the presence of Jesus lives within me, then I'll put on a new resurrection body that has no disease, no despair, no depression, no turmoil, never facing rejection again. None of those problems will ever occur and Christ will live within me in a resurrection body that will live forever. Are you looking forward to that day? That, that's the promised presence. And then the third P is purpose. What's my purpose? I'm so glad you ask. The power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you now gives you your purpose. What is that? As God is good and that God who is good now lives in your heart, go do good. For the rest of your life, go do good. Find broken places in this created order that are not a part of God's original intent and go do good where there's sex trafficking, enter into that to help those girls escape and have life. Where there's poverty, go read and care for young children so that they can have upward mobility and a chance at life. For the prisoner, go visit the prisoner and give that person your presence because they're lonely and don't have hope. For those who need water, you give them water to help salve their parched throats. To those who have needs of food, you give them food. Whatever the need may be, you commit yourself for the rest of your life to do good. That's the job description. That's your purpose. Until the day Jesus returns. And he is going to return. He is going to return. And here's what the Bible teaches. At some point in the future, at some point in the future, and only the Father knows the day or the hour, he's going to look at the time when it's right, and he's going to turn to his son a second time, and he's going to say, go. Just like he did in the first advent, the first beginning with the cradle, he's coming back in the second advent as the conqueror. Because when the father says go, he'll go. And he'll come back 
and he'll take God's children home. If you're still here alive, you'll get your resurrection body then. If you've died before then, you get your resurrection body then. Now you can applaud. Give God the glory for that. It's such, do you see how it all fits together? Biblical worldview, creation, good. Genesis 3, the fall, the call of Israel didn't work, the call of Jesus into the world, the formation of his church, and the promised second coming. That's what the Bible teaches, and it answers every and any problem that people are experiencing today. Uh, John Gilbert was a five-year-old boy who contracted a neuromuscular disorder. He was told that his body would slowly but surely lose strength over the next years. He'd probably die before he was 10. He loved NBA basketball. One day his mom took him to an auction and he saw as one of the auctioned items a basketball signed by every member of the Sacramento Kings. He wanted that basketball. So the bidding started and he raised his very weak arms to show he wanted it, to buy it. And then someone outbid him and he raised another card and he got outbid, he raised another one until it got to a level where he knew he couldn't pay for it. Finally, one man offered an extraordinary amount of money beyond what anybody else could pay to purchase the basketball. This man, unknown to anybody in the room, walked forward, took that basketball, and placed it in seven-year-old John Gilbert's hands. A basketball that he would never dribble, that he would never shoot, that he would never pass to one of his teammates, that ball was given to him. Gilbert lived to almost 25 amazing doctors, and at the end of his life, he describes that moment. He said, it took me a moment to realize what this man had done. I remember hearing gasps around the room, then thunderous applause and weeping eyes. Have you ever been given a gift you could have never gotten for yourself? Has anyone ever sacrificed a huge amount for you without getting anything in return? And all of us who follow Jesus have the answer to that question, don't we? And the answer is yes. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with an interesting discussion on overcoming Black Friday. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp, holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. 
With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you, Jen. I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. I think I'm still full. <laughs> <laughs> well, full of the Lord, right? That's right. Yeah, okay. That's right. Well, today is what America calls Black Friday, and I'm sure you have some profound thoughts for us about this. Well, I don't know how profound they are, but uh, there may be listeners out there who don't know why it's called Black Friday. Friday, and that's because after Thanksgiving, this day begins the spending free, if you will, for Christmas presents, and most every company out there makes their money during this time season, moves from the red, kind of being in debt, to the black, being prosperous financially, and that's why it's called Black Friday. It's the beginning point for spending in our culture to help our businesses move into a profit time period and profit mentality. Okay, so interesting that it comes right after the biggest day of giving thanks, isn't it? Yeah, it does, and I must find myself wondering in my heart if it, this is an altogether great way to remember Thanksgiving, if you will, because uh, a lot of people are going to spend too much during mm-hmm. this time of year and to go into debt, and you know, the Bible says very clearly the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, that's mm-hmm. neutral, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And also, there's that great warning in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6, that the borrower is the slave to the lender. And when people go into great debt during Christmas time, even if it's for a wonderful gift or gifts to other people, going into debt's not a good thing because mm-hmm. then you become a slave to the lender and you've got to pay it back most often with great interest as well. So mm-hmm. it's a time to be careful, even though I think even more importantly, it is a pivot time spiritually in the Christian's calendar toward anticipating the coming of our Lord, the Christmas Mm -hmm. season, uh, what's called the incarnation, God in human flesh, a gloriously wonderful time where we should focus not on presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, but God's presence, P-R-S-E-N-C-E, coming to us, among us, actually in us, Mm -hmm. so that we can face any trial knowing God is Emmanuel, God is with us. Emmanuel. I love that, and I love being able to talk with my children about that because as a mom, I want to go through every moment of grief with my kids and and protect them, but I get to say... God is with you, Emmanuel. And this is a great season to remind them of that. At the end of the day, Jen, you're not going to take your presence with you that have been given to you by family members, loved ones, if you're facing a tough time or trial. But you will take the Lord Jesus with you, who lives in your heart, who gives you strength to face whatever you may be going through uh, for his glory and his glory alone. So again, this should be a time of great anticipation as we look forward to the coming of our Lord. Well, and I love that you talked with us for a moment just about finances. I've heard somebody say that it's okay to have money. It's not okay for money to have you. And you could replace that with things and items. And I just think that's a good litmus test for us. It is, Jen. It's the same question asked in another way. It's not what do you own. The question is who owns you. Hmm. And if God is the master passion of your life, you understand Christmas rightly and you want to give gifts. That's a joy. It's good to receive gifts as well. 
hell, uh, but you know who is the author and finisher of life and our faith, and that's what you focus on. So good. Thank you so much for your thoughts today, David. Thank you, Jen, and everybody, happy Black Friday, but just be careful about spending too much. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, hoping you have a great weekend.